1: The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents... This is your FBI. This is your FBI. The official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Transcribed and presented as a public service... by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Did you ever hear of people paying particular attention to radio commercials? Well, that's exactly what's happening on this program right now. Thousands of people will listen with special attention to tonight's middle commercial, all because of a postcard they received in the mail this morning. A postcard from their Equitable Society representative, inviting them to hear the news about the Equitable Society's Independent 60s Plan. A practical, workable plan for people who want complete independence after the age of 60. I'll be back in just 14 minutes to give you full information on this special plan offered by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Tonight's FBI file frees a crime. The number of criminal fingerprint cards in the files of your FBI recently passed the staggering total of 18 million. That is a depressing fact. But even more deplorable is the fact that these latest figures show that among those arrested in the past year, the greatest number were 21 years of age. The second predominant age group was 22, and the third was 23. This is a wealthy nation, and the horn of plenty is our national trumpet. But there is grave doubt in many quarters as to whether or not any nation can long continue to surrender its youth to the ways of crime and still continue to prosper. Tonight's case from the files of your FBI is the story of three of those young men. Three young men who might have included in their number your own son. For this story could take place anywhere and could happen to anyone. Tonight's file opens in a small one-car garage adjoining a frame house located in a large eastern city. It is evening as a gray-haired, tired-looking woman sticks her head through the garage door to talk to her son.
2: Andy? Yeah? Yeah, Mom? Where are you, son?
3: Under the car.
2: Dinner's ready. Oh.
3: Well, uh, let me have a few more minutes, will you, Mom?
2: All right. Whose car is this? Uh, it belongs to George. Another one? Huh? Huh? Well, this is three cars you've fixed belonging to him. Where does he get them? I don't know. Don't you think you might find out? Oh, no. Look, Mom, he pays me to repair his cars, not to ask questions. Andy, I don't like George Roberts, and I think I have good reason for it. Hi, Andy. Oh, hi, George. Hello, Mr. Mitchell. Hello. How's it coming, Andy? Okay. Uh, look, look, Mom. We. You... Why don't you put the stuff on the table? Up. I'll... I'll be right in, huh? All right, Andy. Hey, the car looks okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. when be ready, Handy? Tonight. Hey, yeah, you did a real good job. I like the new color. This is the last job, George. What? That was our agreement. Any car you steal from now on, you
4: get fixed someplace else.
1: A few days later, at local police headquarters, FBI Special Agent Jim Taylor is approaching the desk of Detective Bill Snyder. Hi, Bill. Oh, hello, Jim. What brings you here? Mm-hmm. What kind? Oh, I just in to see the inspector. He me you are working on that 9th Street warehouse. Right there. I've just been assigned to him. You got anything on him? Fine. The only thing I've been able to dig so far is that the thieves used a black sedan. Well, I can throw in a little more than that. We can use help. Bill, you know a town called Madisonville across the state line? Yes, well, the local police suspected for some time that the owner of a radio store there was a fence. Uh-huh. Two days ago, one of their detectives went into the store, copied the serial numbers off of several of the sets, went to the factory to learn where the sets had been shipped to originally. Mm-hmm. But I got an answer this morning. The sets were part of the loot stolen from the Ninth Street warehouse. Hey! Now, we've still got a problem. The fence says he bought the sets from a stranger named Frank Smith. He has no receipt because he, he paid cash. Do they believe him? Got an airtight alibi the night of the robbery. Did he give any description of this Frank Smith? A very bad one. He said he'd only met him twice, both times were at night. Bill, I think I'll run down to the warehouse and take a look around. Are you going by your office on the way? Yeah. I've got something for you to take along. Uh-huh. Here's a cap and a comb. The cap was found this morning at the warehouse. The comb was found after a robbery at another warehouse been in my desk up to now because we haven't had anything to compare it with. I'll drop them by our lab. Thanks, Jim. It's okay. Oh, and as soon as I'm through at the warehouse, I'll see if they've got the report ready for me. If it is, Bill, I'll call you. (laughs)
3: you.
1: No, I'll
2: watch you. Okay.
1: Uh, try that combo with the ten
2: ball. That's a three. <laughs> you hit too hard. The cue slipped. do me the chalk, will you? Sure, here. Hey, you got any dough on you? You broke? Uh-huh.
1: I just gave you your end from the radios.
2: Well, I got a tip on a horse.
1: You bet the whole thing?
2: Yeah. That ain't no way to play that shot. Well, I was trying something. Hey, how about the dough? Hey, I can let you have a saw. I got the shorts myself. We better do another job real quick. I
1: figured we'd go tonight. I swear. But we've got to fix something first. What do you mean? You remember that cop that almost nailed us the last time? Yeah. We ain't doing any more jobs, so we can beat the price on that and get the word first. How? Oh. Same way he operates. Shortwave radio?
2: Riding a car, you? Uh uh-huh.
1: huh. Hmm. We'll get Andy to hook one up for us.
2: Nah, he ain't gonna go for it. Why not? Well, he told me the other night he was paid up with us. He wasn't doing any more jobs.
1: Uh give me that cue. What? I'll show you how to make that shot. You see? Keep practicing. I'm going over and talk to Andy.
2: Mom? Oh, hello, son. Anything cold to drink? I just made some lemonade. Oh, where's it? In that pitcher. Uh, what a hot day, huh? Andy. Yeah. There's someone waiting for you in the garage. Who? That friend of George's. Oh. I thought you weren't seeing them anymore. I'm not, Mom. Well, then why is he here? But... I don't know. But I'll find out right
4: now.
1: Hi, Andy. Hi, Danny. it? that George is no dope. He's been spending the whole day in a nice, cool pool. What do you want, Frank? Huh? I asked George not to come around here anymore. It went for you, too. Yeah, I heard about that. Well... I took another job for you, kid. I can't handle it. It'll pay you good. I don't want your money, Frank. <laughs> What's the matter with you? I just don't want to get mixed up with you guys. You took our money once, kid.
4: You know why I took it. My mother was sick. I needed a dough for a doctor and an operation. I'd have held up a bank to get it. I did about as bad, I
1: guess, taking it from you. Look, Andy.
4: I made a deal to fix up three cars for you guys and payment for the dough. I fixed those cars, now we're even.
1: No. I'm still in front Oh. Cops could find out who fixed those cars. From you? Yeah. Uh, you'd be hanging yourself, too. No, kid. I can prove who fixed them, but you can't prove who stole them. <laughs> Look, uh, there's a shortwave radio in this box. I want it hooked up in the black car. George and me are doing a job tonight. Have it ready. And uh you'll get ready, too. I just decided you're going to be the guy who sits in the car and listens you still going through the records, Bill? Ah, no, Jim, I just finished. Yeah. Did you find anything? No, we only had three Frank Smiths in our files, and I've just checked the last one out. Well, then we've got to assume that Frank Smith is an alias. Yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, I picked up that report from our lab, Bill. On the cap and comb? That's right. What did it say? Well, the hairs found on the comb are exact duplicates of the hairs in the cap. That means the same person was in on both robberies. Mm-hmm. Well, It gives us something to work on in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's 10.30, Jim. You want to call tonight? Oh, i got to go back to my office. Oh, uh, I think we ought to do one thing first. Oh, well, what's that? Alert every warehouse in the city. I'll have the switchboard take care of that. Okay, If the watchmen are on the job and those thieves try again, maybe we'll be saved a lot of extra work. Car 27, 27, proceed to the corner of Addison Street and United Avenue, 31. That is all. Andy, huh? Anything come in on the radio?
3: Oh, no. Then turn it off. Now, come
1: on. Where? Inside the warehouse. Oh, no. Look, kid, we went all through this earlier today. Remember what I told you in your garage about my blowing a whistle to your mother and the cops? Come on. We need some help. With what? With well, a crate. It's too heavy for us to handle. Come on. Walk softer. Wait, what? I thought I saw a light flashing at the other end of the building. I guess I didn't let's go. You go in here. Go ahead, kid.
2: Keep it quiet. Where's George? Just follow me.
4: a wheel, I, and drive. I, I can't drive. Why not? I'm shot.
1: We will return in just a minute to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. Now, here's an invitation to all members of this audience an invitation to share in the benefits of the Equitable Society's famous Independent Sixties Plan. As its name indicates, this plan was created for self-reliant Americans who want to be comfortably independent when it's time for them to retire. When your Independent Sixties Plan pays off, you become your own boss, able to come and go as you please. My job kept me pretty
4: well tied down most of my life. So when I retired on my plan first thing I did was to get the finest trailer money could buy.
1: Believe me, the wife and I have been seeing this country since then. Every year we spend at least two months down south. That's the beauty of an equitable independent 60s plan. It makes it possible for you to do the things you've always wanted to do. That's the reason I find it very hard to understand why more people don't have plans like this. Mr. Keating, they think they can't afford it. They think you have to be rich. It was years before I found out the truth. What opened your eyes? My
4: equitable society representative. He made the point that I already had a big head start towards Independent Sixties. What the Social Security and the life insurance
1: I already owned. Right. In many cases, only a small amount of additional insurance is required to enable a man to look forward with complete confidence to independent 60s. A few extra dollars a week did it for me. So why not see your equitable representative without delay? Phone him soon, or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Now back to the FBI file, Three's a Crime. In connection with tonight's case from the files of your FBI, we bring you a message from J. Edgar Hoover, director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mr. Hoover's message is, and I quote... Our nation, somewhere along the line, has fallen down on the job of educating its youth to the responsibility of citizenship. As you heard on this official FBI radio program earlier, ages 21 through 23 dominated the arrest records throughout the nation in the past 12 months. In many cases, those young people have turned to crime because their parents and their community have failed with them as are never taught the need, never given the realization of the utter futility of crime. You cannot abolish deplorable conditions by ignoring them, as many communities are even today ignoring the youthful crime wave. It is your job as a member of your community to help these young men and women achieve a useful place in society. For by doing that, you will achieve a twofold result. First, you will be helping your community by introducing young blood into its life stream. And second, you will be doing your part in fighting the crime wave. (laughs) Tonight's file continues later the same night at the local FBI field office. Oh, Jim, I'm glad what? I caught you here. No, I was just about to go home. A report just came in from the 17th precinct. On the warehouse robbery? Not the one we've been working on. Not another one? Uh huh. And done by the same gang. Oh, how do you know? The watchman saw them drive away, and his description of the getaway car is the same as the other watchman's. Did he give you any description of the robbers? No, but he did something that might develop into a lead. Oh, what's that? He shot one of the bandits. Uh-huh. Well, how does he know? Blood on the ground. Oh, Bill, we'd better notify all hospitals immediately. Already done that. Oh, good. How about doctors who might be called to treat the wounded man? I haven't had a chance to get to them yet. Well, there are several telephone services for doctors. Let's contact them and get them to spread the word. Right. Oh, there are some doctors that don't have that service. We've got a list of them at headquarters. Oh, we've got one here, too. I'll tell you what we ought to do, Bill. Yeah? Why don't you go back to your office, get your list, and start at the bottom? Okay. I'll stay here and start from the top. As soon as either one of us hears anything, we'll get together. (laughs) Frank. What is it? Andy's passed out. What do we do? We're almost to his joint. We work on him there. Hey, he's bleeding real
2: bad. All right,
1: so he's bleeding. Here we are. I'll
2: pull right into this
1: driveway. We can bring him in the garage.
2: Okay. Wait, I'll help you. I'll take his feet. You grab his shoulders. Right. right. All right, let's start walking. She won't put him in the... Quiet. We don't want his old lady to hear us. Where do I get this door? Come on. Let's drop him over there. He won't
1: turn on any light. We can see good enough. Put him right here.
2: Hey. hey. He's really out. He's still breathing. He ain't gonna be very long if he keeps bleeding like that. Let's see if we can patch him up. Ought to be some rags and stuff around here. You look over Andy? there. And I... Andy, is that you? Oh, great. Yeah, what do we do now? She'll see the car. She'll know somebody's here. Let me handle it. Andy, are you in here? Uh, yes, ma'am, he is. What are you. Oh, what, what's happened? Uh,
1: he got shot, Mrs. Mitchell.
2: Andy. And I hear? Andy, he'll be okay. It is... hey,
1: was an accident. He was playing with a gun you... and it went off.
2: Let's what... go into the house, why not? you. Call a doctor. Oh. Well, do you hear me? Go in and call a doctor.
1: Oh, he doesn't need a doctor, Mrs. Mitchell.
2: I'll call one myself. Ain't gonna be good if she calls a doc. No, let's get out of here.
1: Special Taylor Speed. Bill
4: Snyder, Jim. Yes, Bill? Something's just come in. What? A doctor named William Sweets called in to say he just treated a young man, Andy Mitchell, for a bad gunshot wound.
1: Is this tied into the warehouse robbery? Yes.
4: Mitchell told Dr. Sweets that he was shot by the watchman. Where is he now? At his home, 558 North Wentworth Avenue.
1: Mm-hmm. Get anything else from the doctor?
4: Yes. Mrs. Mitchell told him her son had been with two other young men. One named Frank Jenkins, the other George Roberts.
1: Jenkins and George... Rob, it's okay. When are you going over there?
4: Right now. Will
1: you pick me up and fill in the office? We'll go over together. You say your son was never in trouble before, Mrs. Mitchell.
2: That's right, Mr. Taylor.
1: I, uh, I checked on the records of the other two men before I left the office. Uh, They've both been arrested quite a few times.
2: I knew there were no good. But it was my fault that Andy was with them. Oh, huh. I was sick this spring. I needed an operation. We, we didn't have enough money. My son borrowed some from them. In return, they made him do their work. I didn't know this until a few minutes ago. Andy just told me. I see. He's not a thief, Mr. Taylor. You've got to believe that. I think
1: I do. Mrs. Mitchell, did your son know where the others were going?
2: No, but he told me that you'd have trouble catching them. Oh, what? They made him hook up a shortwave radio in their car so they could listen to police calls. Uh,
1: yes, it will make it difficult. No but... luck, Jim. Oh, will you excuse me, Mrs. Mitchell?
2: Uh, oh,
1: Certainly. What happened, Bill? I missed young Roberts at his house by a couple of minutes. And Frank Jenkins' landlady told me he'd just left. And they must still be in town. That's right. I think we might catch up to them after all. Come on, Bill, let's get out to your car. You think they're looking for us yet, Frank? We'd have heard about it, wouldn't we?
4: What a, call a, lady. That's a message call. 1948 black Buick sedan, license unknown. Two men in it. They are wanted. One man wearing tan sweater. Yeah,
2: it's us.
1: If
4: you see this car, stop it and notify headquarters immediately. That is all. George, take off your sweater. Throw it out
1: the window. And here, throw this cab with it. Okay. Calling car
4: 100. Go ahead, John,
1: Car we're 100.
4: 1948 black Buick sedan, license unknown, referred to in previous message. Reported seen five minutes ago.
2: Hey. Headed
4: out of city on Route 41. Hey,
1: they got the wrong car. Calling we ain't been near Route 41. Seven
4: and now
2: This must be Calling something different.
4: cars 87 and 88. Station yourselves on Route 11 and search for a black sedan with two men in it. Referred to in previous message.
2: Uh-huh, that's secure. That Calling, car six three and car six eight. Calling car
4: 6-3 and car 6-8. Calling car 6-3 and 6-8. Station yourselves on route 9-3. That 93.
2: Yeah.
4: Calling cars 5-8 and 5-9. Calling cars 5-8 and 5-9. Station yourselves on route 8. Same instruction, that is all. Yeah,
1: I got every roadblock. You didn't hear anybody mention the toll bridge, did you? Hey, that's right. That's going to get us out of town. Calling car 100.
4: <laughs> We're still calling listening,
1: calling car 100. 1948 black Buick
4: sedan referred to in previous messages has been apprehended on Route
1: 41. That is all. Hey, the chorus. <laughs> yeah.
4: Turn that thing off.
1: <laughs> right. Hey, the bridge is right around the corner. I know. Give me a quarter. The for? The tall bridge. Okay. There's the bridge. Huh? Got the quarter? Yeah, yeah, here you are. Oh, here you are, Doc. I don't want any quarter, Jenkins. What? Who are you? I'm a special agent of the FBI. What? I was pretty sure you'd try to use this bridge. Now get out of that car. <laughs> Frank Jenkins and George Roberts were given five year prison terms for violation of the National Motor Vehicle Theft Act. Andy Mitchell was put on probation for three years, inasmuch as he was the victim of circumstances and associations. The two young men in the stolen car were apprehended tonight because the messages they heard over their shortwave radio, messages which made it appear as if their flight for freedom would be successful, were prepared by Special Agent Taylor. They were so designed that the two men were led to believe that every exit from the city was closed except the bridge. The mistake made by these young men in thinking they could commit crimes without paying for them is not an unusual error. The ego of the criminal, young or old, tells him he can get away with anything. Until he learns the fallacy of his reasoning, he continues to build the number of major crimes, a number which last year reached a total of more than a million six hundred thousand. In the overall crime picture, these three young men in tonight's case were relatively unimportant. But they do serve to illustrate a problem which, so far as the future of the nation is concerned, has no peer. The problem of keeping the names of the 21, 22, and 23-year-olds off the police blotters of the nation is one of the greatest law enforcement problems in the country today because they are your sons. This is also your problem. In just a moment, we will tell you about next week's exciting case from the files of your FBI. Now two final questions on the Equitable Society's Independent Sixties Plan. Mr. Keating, is there any fixed amount of money that a man has to put into one of these plans? No. Your Equitable Representative will work out an Independent Sixties Plan that fits your present salary. How much of an income can I expect when I'm 60? That actual amount is determined by your present income and your future needs. Your Equitable Society Representative can give you the answer in a matter of minutes. Phone him soon or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. A graphic story of a manhunt for three desperate criminals. Its subject, jailbreak. Its title, The Sentimental Double cross. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight's broadcast was transcribed, and the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Georgia Backus, Tony Barrett, Tom Brown, Ted DeCorsia, Ed Gargan, and Burt Holland. This is Your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community, and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the sentimental double-cross on This is Your FBI. This is ABC, the American broadcasting company.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.